Okay, so real quickly, our review from last week, we talked about blessed are the peacemakers. And we talked about four different areas of peace that were uh, broken uh, at the fall. And how God in his kingdom, when, when Christ returns, he's going to restore these four things. The first was um, spiritual uh, shalom or spiritual peace. And that's our relationship with God. That was broken at the fall. Remember, God used to walk in the cool of the day, and then Adam sinned, and that, then that was broken. He was Adam was kicked out of the garden. The second thing was personal shalom. Adam then had to sew up fig leaves for himself, and we were talking about what a perfect picture of us, where where we, you know, we see our deficiencies, and so we try to do whatever we can to try and make it go away. When really, it's our spiritual uh, peace that will solve that problem. The third thing we talked about was physical peace, a um, a, uh, uh, a a rebirth of a desire for social justice, and that when we feed the poor and we um, uh, help the orphan and help the widow, that's what physical shalom is all about. And it, we, I talked about my own life where I feel like if I give somebody money, it has to be tied to the gospel, right? But it it doesn't. We still can bring physical shalom as we just uh, love each other, love the people around us, love our community. And uh, at the end of service today, I'll be talking about how we can, uh, one of the ways we can get involved in doing that. <clears throat> and then fourth was relational shalom that we didn't have time to get into, but uh, you guys all know it. Uh, we're to love each other as the body of Christ. And in Christ, this relational peace uh, is manifested. So this week, we're talking about being persecuted. Man, what a bummer for Christmas, huh? Being persecuted? Merry Christmas. You're, psh, no. So let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We're going to talk uh, first a little bit about persecution, what it is, and uh, you can see your points on there, and then we're going to move into what we do when we're persecuted. That's our plan. But if you look at the Beatitudes, what a weird culmination. You've got the poor in spirit, uh, the meek, the merciful, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart. I mean, that that's a really nice guy there. If I met a guy who was humble, uh, he was poor in spirit and um, was, you know, could mourn easily and hungered and thirst for righteousness, pure in heart. I'd be like, man, what a nice guy. Why in the world would that guy or gal be persecuted? What, what, is, I mean, seriously, think about it. You're, you're at school, kids, and you're like super me. You like mourn with those who mourn. You really feel where they're going through. You're poor in spirit. You know, man, I don't have anything to offer God. I'm just going to do my best. And and all of a sudden, people start coming down on you. What is that all about? Or in the workplace. You're doing your best. You're trying to be, you're trying to be good to your boss or whatever. And, and it's just like, ah, 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 ah. what happens there? We're going to talk about that a little bit before we get into what we do. I want to talk about four things that we understand about uh, persecution to kind of give us a framework of what we're talking about. And the first thing is, Satan doesn't like you being effective. 
Satan doesn't like you being affected. See, when we're poor in spirit, when we mourn with those who mourn, when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we're pure in heart, when we're merciful, we are being effective Christians. That's why it says blessed or happy. We're happy because we have this relationship with Jesus and it's actually transforming our life and it's manifesting itself into action and we're happy, we're satisfied. We go, man, this is what a relationship with Jesus is all about. Satan can't stand that. He is the ruler of this world. Remember, we've been talking all for the last few weeks about these two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. Satan rules the kingdom of the world. And you say, you mean when my boss yells at me, it's really Satan? Well, maybe. I don't know your boss. But, or, you know, that kid at school, he's, I could think of him as Satan. No, you can't think of the kid at school as Satan, okay? My point is, Satan rules this world and it angers him when we are effective in our kingdom, okay? So, uh, number one, uh, Satan doesn't like you being effective. Number two, you are destroying his kingdom. See, when we operate in the Beatitudes, when we walk in and we're poor in spirit, we look at the on the world's level and go, now how in the world, why, why are you mad at me? I'm about as docile as a little lamb. There's, you shouldn't have anything. I, what is my, what's the big deal? But you're destroying Satan's kingdom. When I was a little kid, my brother is seven years older than me. And so, and I bear those scars. Uh, that's why I wear long sleeve shirts. No, I'm kidding. Um, my brother used to love to build models. He had, uh, he would take, he had a little desk, just like a model desk, like a it had paints all lined up. You know, it had all the glue, different types of glue, everything. And when he was working on a model, you know, it had the lamp shining on everything. And he'd finish a model and it would sit there shiny, newly painted. And then I'd walk up. Right? Shiny car. He'd be 14. I'd be seven. So actually, I kind of knew what I was doing at that age. I'd take the car. Bam! Ah! Starts getting hot. Right? Destroy his model. Destroying all that hard work that he labored into, into that model. That is exactly what we do when we operate on a kingdom level. It's not just us going, yay, this is a great Christian life. We kind of walk in and we're just like, bam! The Satan, come on! Get up! Get up! You know? We go crazy. You say, but just being meek does that? Yeah, because we're we're looking at the different kingdoms. James Bond had a there's a James Bond movie. It was really cool. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. I want to read a couple. I want to read a couple uh, scriptures here that go along with that. Second Corinthians six seven says, "In truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left." When we walk into a situation in the flesh, we're just meek, merciful, humble. On a kingdom level, we come in, we're just like, what's up, Satan? You know, if you're into ninja stuff, right? And Satan's like, whoa! Second Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds to demolish them, to level them. 
in this James Bond movie I referenced a little bit, uh, he had this pen. James, I just watched James Bond movies for the gadgets because I'm a gadget freak. But he had this pen. I don't know if you saw this one. I don't remember which one it was. But they told him, if you click it once, it's going to detonate in like 10 seconds. If you click it twice, you stop the detonation. And so, you know, the movie goes on. You forget about the pen. And then James gets caught. And he's sitting there. And through one of the uh, evil guy's monologues, you know, they always monologue. He grabs James Bond's pen to sign something. I don't really remember. But he's sitting there talking to James. He's kind of nervous. Or Mr. Bond. Sorry. Can't believe, can't believe I called him James. Uh, Mr. Bond. And he's talking. And he's like, yeah, so uh, click. And so what? It's going to take out that whole room with James is in that room. This might be the end of James. You know, and he's talking. You're looking at your watch going, man, he's only got two more seconds. Like, click, click. He's walking around. Click. Click, click. Oh, it's off. Then he goes, click, 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 click. And you go, oh, I don't know what number he's on. It could go off at any second. And, and you start freaking out. And you don't go, oh, James, get out of there, James. Right? That is exactly what it's like when we walk into a situation acting in the beatitude. We walk in minding our own business. When we go in with Satan, we're just like, yeah, someone bugs us and we're poor in spirit. Click. And Satan's like, okay, hold on, hold on a second. You're going to wipe out this entire room. I've worked a lot to get this family as dysfunctional as it is. Okay? I got this father over here. It's taken me forever. Please. Click, click. Double click is when we stop operating in the Spirit. When we operate in the Spirit, that's when we start to do our damage. So we go into a situation, foreign spirit and me, and then all of a sudden we start to get riled up. Oh, and we lash out maybe. Uh, uh, Rick was talking about using sarcasm in a positive way. Never been my gift. <laughs> when I use sarcasm, it's a click, click. I stop my, I stop my kingdom damage. Powerful weapons we have. And we have the ability to turn them on and to shut them off. And the enemy knows it. He knows it, that we have these weapons to, uh, to, uh, uh, demolish his strongholds. This isn't baby stuff. When the Iraq war started, and whether you're for it or against it is irrelevant for this sermon, but, um, so don't send me any emails, but when the Iraq war started, they had this campaign called Shock and Awe. I don't know about you, but if someone like were to come up to me and say, hey, I'm going to start this campaign against you, it's called Shock and Awe. I'm like, really? I'm starting a campaign with you called Give Up. <laughs> so what do I have to do in order to get that done? <laughs> right? Well, we had this Shock and Awe. With weapons of righteousness, righteousness in the right hand and the left. Sh- spiritual shock and awe. That's why I tell us all the time, every single one of us is vital to the kingdom of God. Vital, because we're all able to be poor in spirit, to be meek, to be merciful, to be pure in heart. We all have that ability. And they're powerful, mighty weapons, and it ticks Satan off. So when we go into a situation and we're like that, going, oh man, I'm poor in spirit, I'm merciful, why are you guys getting up at me? It's not them, it's Satan. You are just jacking him up at that point. Number three, Satan has weapons too. So what happens is we walk in with our meekness and our 
poverty in spirit. And then Satan's like, all right, you want to go? Let's go. He starts casting insult. All of Satan's uh, weapons are in the flesh. Okay, he, Satan's going to start lashing out in the flesh to try and get our flesh riled out. He's got weapons as well. Look at them when we go back to this uh, section of Scripture. Blessed are you when people insult you. That's the weapon of the flesh. That's why when we operate in insults, we're operating in the flesh. We're not operating in the Spirit at that time. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Another tactic Satan uses. Oh, they're lying about me. That's not true. I got, I got to make this right. I got to make sure everyone knows that this isn't true. No, you don't. Not in the Spirit. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward. He's got weapons as well. Fourthly, your weapons define your allegiance. Your weapons define your allegiance. See, one of the things Satan wants you to do, it's kind of like you walk into a situation and you're covered in dynamite. Now, we don't see it because it's just poverty in spirit. We meek in the flesh. We just look like, I just look like a normal guy. But when I'm operating in the spirit of God, I walk into a situation and Satan's like, easy does it, tiger. Just... Why don't you put the detonator down and we can work this out, right? It scares him to death because I've got all the power. So what is he going to do? Going to try and negotiate. Going to try and talk me out of the situation. Going to try and get me to drop my detonator. Because that weapon of, of, of being poor in spirit and meek and going into a situation and just giving up is just killing him. And so what happens is... uh when, um, like for my example of sarcasm, right? Meekness is the opposite of sarcasm. Again, I'm not talking about Rick's sarcasm. That's good sarcasm. Mine rarely is. So meekness is that. So I get someone assaults me verbally. My typical response in the flesh is to just, with a little sarcasm. Thing. But I drop my detonator. I go, okay, you want to go? I take off all the dynamite, drop my detonator, and I say something sarcastic. I've just defined, I've just done damage for Satan's kingdom. Which weapons I use, which weapons I decide to use in any situation defines which kingdom I'm building or which kingdom I'm tearing down. I want to build the kingdom of God. What happens is we let our enemy's hostility or our enemy's weapons define which weapons we're going to use back. So someone yells at us or treats us poorly, well, we treat them poorly. And we've just lost all our weapons. Not only have we lost our weapons, we've pulled up with a hammer and nail and said, Satan, where do you want me to hang this picture? We've started to build his kingdom. <laughs> you like that, baby? Okay, good. I want to read a section of scripture. Romans 12, 9. We're gonna, it's a long section of scripture. We're gonna divide it up into sections because I want you to see something of where it culminates. Let's start in verse a 12. Now listen, watch watch the kind of weaponry and the kind of lifestyle Paul is describing here. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Is that not a hunger and thirst for righteousness? It's awesome. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's meekness. That's that beatitude of meekness. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. That's a pure in heart. You just want to have that relationship with God. 
growing and growing. Verse 13, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. That's a peacemaker. Sharing with someone in need. That's bringing physical shalom. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Okay, we're going to get into that a little bit, but it's choosing your weapons of what you're going to do. That's the persecuted. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. That's those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. That's being merciful. Remember we talked about in merciful, we're all gonna, there's going to be a time where I say something where you're just like, I don't like that, Uncle John. I don't like him, Sam, I am. I don't know. It just sounded like it was supposed to come back. So, and so what do we do with that? Well, to live in harmony, we show mercy to each other. And then, uh, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That is being foreign spirit. Now, why do I read this section of scripture? Because here we are again with Paul talking to the Romans, all gathering up. These are the, um, uh, the weapons, uh, that we have. They define our allegiance. And then we get to verse 17. So all these things, merciful, poor in spirit, all these lead to what? Persecution again. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Here we are talking about which weapons are you going to use. The ones that have the most damage are God's weapons. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, now here comes a Christian's favorite. This is, I love this verse. This is awesome. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. What? If you're thirsty, give him something to drink. Huh? In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Yes! Yeah! Oh, well, that's cool. Oh, that's excellent. Way to go, Paul. Love it. I can heap burning coals on his head? Then comes the final verse I want to talk about. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, we're tying into these ideas of weapons and kingdom warfare. Satan's kingdom on earth, our kingdom in heaven. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Don't allow these weapons to have any effect on you. You take your shock and all weapons, and you overtake evil. It's a quote, actually, that um, if your enemy's hungry, feed them. Uh, uh, it's a quote from Proverbs 25, 21-22, by the way, if you wanted to look that up. See, when we act... In our kingdom, by default, we win. By default. You say, but what if, what if we get persecuted unto death? We win. Well, what if we get persecuted and that person's heart gets changed? We win. We win. Okay? So the question is, before we die, how much damage can we do for God's kingdom with the weapons he's provided us? Well, quite a bit. And you say, well, John, that's really hard. That's really hard. I don't want to see a show of hands, but for anyone who's been persecuted, maybe by a spouse, you come to Christ and that spouse doesn't come to Christ and it's just bugging them, or by someone in school, or by someone at work, or someone in your family, every time you get to get together, they're constantly jawing about how you use religion as a crutch and blah, 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 right? There's many, many ways persecution comes. 
Sometimes it comes within the church. Did you know we can persecute each other? We absolutely can. See, because it says two things. One, blessed are you who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness. So sometimes you might take a stand in your life, even in a church, that you just say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. Go, what are you talking about? You need to live in freedom. I'm not going to drink. What? It doesn't say you don't have to drink. You can live in freedom. Well, fine. And it's just constant. Da, 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 da. Doctrine, my goodness. We're constantly going after each other in doctrine. So what do you do? What do you do? All kinds of persecution out there. But there's four things I want to talk about. I was about to say real briefly. Ooh, real briefly. All right, here we go. The first thing is to see the kingdom struggle. See the kingdom struggle. See, I think this is completely lost on me a lot of times. I, here I am, pastor, whatever, someone says something. I, gloves are off. I forget the kingdom. Here we go. <laughs> right? Instead of seeing, oh, man, Satan just made a move into my territory. He just attacked God's kingdom. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? See, it's not about the person attacking you. Well, it is about that. I have, it's not about them. Well, wait, yes, it is. See, it's not about them, per se, on the negative side. Like, man, what is wrong with Joe? What a jerk. What's wrong with that guy? You can't answer that. It's not about Joe. If you were to answer it with, you know, what's wrong with that Satan? Man. Well, everyone knows the answer to that question. He's Satan, right? That's the attitude we come in. All of a sudden we get attacked. We don't go, man, this guy all of a sudden, he, we were like getting along. I bought him lunch and now he's like coming after me. What's wrong with him? No. What's wrong with Satan? Oh, that's right. I must be doing some damage against his kingdom. Well, this will go well. Here we go. Now, again, if we want to attack back, even though it looks spiritual with with worldly weapons. Have you ever done that? I see people do it all the time. They attack with insults, but with spiritual insults. So it doesn't really count. Uh, a couple years ago, I was listening to the radio, and I heard um, I heard a, a talk, the radio Christian talk show guy or gal. I'll try and keep it as normal and plain as so no one knows his name. I think it was Gavin or something. But anyway, um. He, he's on the radio and, uh, he starts going, he has a politician on and he just starts ripping her, like attacks on her character, all this kind of stuff. I, I didn't really agree with either one of them too much, but they were, he was just going off on her. So she began to go after him and tore him up. I mean, just lit him up. It was awesome. I'm like, man, this is Christian radio. This is awesome. I gotta listen more often, right? So they're going at each other. Well, the next day, I turn on the thing, and all the callers, oh, this, you were persecuted. Oh, it's so sad. And this is, they, this is what the Bible says. No, it's not. He was using all the worldly weapons, and he got his butt kicked. I mean, anyway. So, because it was all about her, it was all about this, and not about the kingdom. And so we have to be careful. When we see it's a kingdom thing, we got to keep using our kingdom weapons. Pure, uh, a pure in heart, meekness, merciful. Can we speak the truth? Absolutely, we can. Absolutely. But we do it in a way that's a kingdom way, not in a worldly way. It's not about them. But yeah, it is about them. 
It is about them. Look at this verse. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you you will heap burning coals upon his head. Now, I've always taken that verse to mean, if you do that, it's kind of like a little jab. He's going to get, you know, really like, oh, man, I lose. If I were to come up to you and I were to heap burning coals upon your head, what would you do? Oh, there's a, everyone has a different answer. Yeah, some would like, oh, I'd cry and curl up in the fetal position like a little baby. That's my answer, okay? Someone would be like, dude, you want to put burning coals on my head? Let's go. You know, I'd grab you by the neck and beat you up, right? Right? Other people would be like, I'd run, I'd whatever. But I force you to make a decision, don't I? When I put heat burning coals on your head, now you have a decision to make. This is what happens in the kingdom of God. If your enemy wants to come after you, feed him. Give him something to drink, and he'll be forced to make a kingdom decision. He can either lash out in anger, like, what's your problem? I don't need that. Or, or he can go, oh, wow. Man, what was that all about? See, it's both in this section of Scripture. It's both. But we have to remain faithful to the weapons. Feeding them giving them something to drink when they're thirsty. This is all being a peacemaker. We have to be faithful because what will happen is if they're coming after you, now they're going to ante up. Oh, I'll take those coals and I'll raise you not only a verbal abuse, but I'm going to punch you in the nose. And so we go, oh man, you punched me in the nose, I'll punch you right back. Ah, oh, you just lost the battle. You punch me in the nose, Jesus says, hey, when your enemy strikes you, turn the other cheek. No, Jesus. Come on, dude. Not that. So you respond. Okay, I turn the other cheek. More coals. Now it's hotter. Now they have another kingdom decision to make. Man, this dude's really serious about his faith. To what level can I take this? And that's what persecution is. It's a constant battle to see who's going to give up first. And when we read about the prophets in Hebrews, we read about they were ready to go all the way. Some were sawn in two. Some were burned at the stake. Some had their sword driven to them. Again, if you want to have a health and wealth, like Lord bless me financially type of uh, uh, doctrine, it's not in there. I mean, maybe when the guy had the sword plunged through his heart, he had a killer 401k program. I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is this is kingdom stuff. And so we continue to show mercy. We continue to be poor in spirit. And all of a sudden, the Satan's thing gets even worse. Who's going to give up? we got to keep this kingdom struggle in our mind. It's a struggle. I see this in marriages a lot. I had a friend from my old church who was going through the same type of thing in his marriage. They're both believers, but they were operating in the flesh. And so my friend would call me and say, well, what do I need to do? I said, you need to do something radical. There has to be some type of change, something different than how it's been, or else it'll be the same. So he goes, all right, every time she says something bad, I'm going to say something good. I'm just going to opposite her, right? So I'd ask him, how'd it go? Oh, pretty good. Next day, yeah, pretty good. Day five, no, I can't stand her, right? Because she'd, she'd, he'd do something good, and she'd be like, oh, okay, is this the way we're playing it? Well, you're still an idiot. Well, you're quite beautiful. Yeah, well, you're a moron. Oh, wow. That's great. I love you. 
And what would happen is it would escalate, 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 and then finally he'd blow it and go, you know what? I can't stand it any longer. You're a pain in the neck. And she'd go, I knew you weren't serious. Oh, and he'd go, I was serious. But then he got me all the way up to here. It just keeps escalating. If that's your home, your home is has given over to evil. If that's the way you communicate, that's an evil way to communicate. You go, man, John, oh, easy. What do you mean evil? That's like demons and stuff. No, that's the kingdom of, of, of the enemy. Is that type of communication like that, all in the flesh, all about, well, I did not. It's Your home is doing evil. Man, that's not fair. Maybe not, but it's true. I see it in my own life. When I give in to that, I'm giving in to evil. Evil is overcoming good. I'm called to overcome evil with good. Secondly, uh, so it's not about them. It's not their fault, technically, but it is about them because how you keep responding will get them maybe to a level where they're like, ow, that hurts. I want to be on, I need to be on that kingdom side. You, you, you have a weapon that's way, way more. I, I don't even know. I can't, I can't think of anything else to do. And it might be our ability or inability to handle persecution that gets that person to make that decision. You see what I'm saying? That's why when we operate in poverty and spirit, when we operate in being merciful and all this kind of stuff, it just escalates. Oh man, the persecution gets worse. Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, they get to a point where, or maybe they don't, but it's our job not to wonder what decision they're going to make because we don't know how they're going to respond. Jesus, right in between two thieves, one says, ah, he spits on him, gives him insults. One is like, hey, don't do that. Same response. He didn't know. It's not about them. Second thing is, if you see it as an attack on you or me, if I see it as an attack on me, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Isn't that what happens, though? I mean, is that not the first thing? When someone comes in and says something about our faith, we get offended like it's an attack on us. It's the, it's the flesh. It's natural. I mean, it's a fallen man. But we're going to miss it. Jesus was talking to his disciples right before he died. And he, he, he went through a whole bunch of stuff. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. You don't belong to the world. I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute uh, you. If they obeyed my teaching, they're going to obey your teaching. Jesus is saying, look, this is at a kingdom level, guys. When this happens, it's kingdom stuff. And then he goes on and he says, uh, you know, if, if, if Let's go ahead and look at John 15:24. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. Remember what we talked about with uh, Jesus bringing, um, doing the miracles? He was bringing the very kingdom of God. He was restoring, a lot of times, physical shalom. And they rejected him. They rejected the kingdom. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Look, if they hate you, they hated me first. If they persecute you, they persecuted me first. If they obey you, great. They obeyed me. If they don't obey you, they don't obey me. No big deal. It's a kingdom thing. I'm bringing the kingdom. They're either going to accept it or reject it. And if we if we say it's all about us, we're going to miss that. 
in Romans 2, 4, it says that God's kindness leads you to repentance. God's kindness, the, the, as you act in kindness, as you act in the Beatitudes, it just keeps escalating spiritually, escalating spiritually, escalating spiritually. And hopefully, it will lead to repentance. But that's not up to us to decide. Look how Paul describes it. Here's a killer struggle between Paul and Satan, right? They got their dukes up. Paul says in First uh, Corinthians 4.12, We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, bam, we bless, bam. All right? Okay, I'm getting out of control here. When, when we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. Paul says, I'm willing to take this all the way. You want to slander me? I'll bless you. You want to persecute me? Eh, I'll let you persecute me. Right now, in my current state of the battle, you know, if he were to go and stand before Congress and say, Paul, how's the battle going? He'd go, great. I'm the scum of the earth and the refuse of the world. It's going exactly according to plan. Secondly, remember your reward. Remember your reward. It says, uh, blessed are those who are persecuted because theirs is the kingdom of God. That's that kingdom mindset. Um, because your reward is great in heaven. Your reward is great in heaven. Now, these rewards aren't just eternal. They're, they're, they're uh, uh, present as well. But in Philippians, Paul says, look, it's been granted. It's been granted to you on Christ's behalf to suffer for his name. That's your, it's been granted you. Congratulations, right? That's what he's saying in verse 1. And then in verse, uh, in, in chapter 1, then in chapter 3, he goes on and he says, you know what, whatever was profit to me, all that stuff of the world, because remember, Paul, Paul used the weapons of the world to persecute Christians, did he not? I mean, that's, what did Jesus say? Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why are you doing this, Saul? He was killing people. He was pursuing them, dragging them into jail. Saul was a persecutor. He says, all that stuff, all those weapons that were profit to me, I now count for as lost for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I consider all things lost compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish. In order, he's got his mind on the reward that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, but that which is in Christ. See that mindset? He says, you know what? Take all your weapons, the insults, all that stuff. I used to have all that stuff. It's worthless. But I got this other stuff now. And then finally, in chapter 3, verse 10, which is up here, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. Paul had an eternal mindset. He was talking about, listen to this one. Go to Hebrews uh, 10, 3 on there. You sympathize with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. <laughs> Doesn't that define, that's, that's America right there. We joyfully accept the confiscation of our, oh wait, no, I'm sorry, I made a mistake there. Because you knew that you yourselves had a better, had better and lasting possession. Talk about a kingdom mindset. The writer of Hebrews is telling these people, man, you got persecuted, you were in prison, you visited those in prison, and just when they took your stuff, you're like, no sweat. I don't need it. That's all down here. Man, that's awesome. That's remembering a kingdom mind, uh, uh, our, our reward. 
Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Our reward is just not in heaven. It's now. When we operate, when, we, when we're a beatitude Christian who's operating poor in spirit, nothing, nothing can cause you any stress. You're merciful. You're poor in spirit. Humble, pure in heart, hungry and thirsting for righteousness. That's an unstoppable Christian for the kingdom of God right there. Unstoppable. And the rewards are great. Third, don't be surprised. It says, blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against me. Don't don't be shocked. Oh. I didn't do anything to them. You didn't, but you did. You're doing something to the kingdom, to, to the kingdom of Satan, to the kingdom of that world. Something's going on. It might not be that, but don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. He says to Timothy, you know, look, you know about all my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my patience, my love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things have happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from every single one of them. And then Paul makes an unbelievable statement after that. He says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone. And it's a fact. (laughs) In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse. They're going to escalate. You want to live a godly life? Great. You're going to get persecuted. And then evil men are going to go, go from bad to worse. It's going to get worse. Because you're starting to, the war is starting to heat up and you're starting to do damage for the kingdom of God. Deceiving and being deceived. And that's, that's, that's it. The ruler of this world is deceiving them. They're being deceived. Everyone. Paul knew it. In 1 Thessalonians 3, 3. So that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. We were destined for these trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. Paul's going, we're destined for this. He knew it. He wasn't surprised. Peter knew it. Peter wasn't surprised. 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by that, Peter says. Jesus knew it too. He told the disciples in John chapter 16, look, here's what's going to happen. Again, this is at the end of his, of his life. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be put out of the, uh, out of the synagogue. It says, in fact, a time is coming when someone, uh, when anyone who kills you will think he's offering service to God. We've seen that. Man, we have tortured each other in the church because we think we're doing service to God. John 16, 4, this is what I'm saying. Jesus knew that. He said, I've told you this so that when a time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you at first because I was with you. You see, now Jesus is going away and he's going, listen, this is the way it's going to happen. Don't be surprised by persecution. 
Well, if I'm not supposed to be surprised, what do I do? Well, that gets me to my fourth point. Rejoice. Again, in this beatitude, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are being used by God. Listen, guys, this is so exciting. When someone comes down on you because of your righteousness or because of the name of Jesus or whatever, it's living proof. You say to yourself, wow, God's really using me. Somehow I must be in a room with dynamite and a detonator in my hand. I don't even know it. And Satan's trying to come after me. This is awesome. What do I do? How do I press a detonator? Someone tell me, right? No, wait. We want to get more people in there first before you share the gospel and many come and their chains are broken. Rejoice. Rejoice. Persecution is a form of evangelism. You're bringing the very kingdom of God right there. Spiritual warfare right there. You're evangelizing. You're talking about Jesus with your lifestyle. It says in First Peter, uh, oh, uh, yeah, one six. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through, though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. When that bomb goes off, the shock and awe or whatever, and all of a sudden more damage is done and, and, the, and the army of God comes in to take that territory in somebody's life. Oh, man. It's awesome. It's worth it. It's worth the battle. It results in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. All of us, you might be in a struggle with somebody at school or at work, and it's just like, man, when is this going to end? And all of a sudden, bam, and you go, oh, wow. Lord, you're amazing. Second thing we can rejoice about is you have God's Spirit. First Peter 4.13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Wow. If we're persecuted, we rejoice and we go, oh, God's spirit is on me. I must have been doing something different. I wonder if it was I was more merciful than normal. I wonder what it was. I want to do that again. Sometimes we ask for more of God's Spirit. More, I want more of God in my life. It's the Beatitudes. That's why happy is the man. That's why we rejoice when we're persecuted. Because we know, man, these things might be working. The Spirit of God rests on us. In Acts, we have an example of this. Uh, the disciples were being uh, beaten up by the Pharisees. And they were being jailed, and finally a Pharisee said, came up, a wise Pharisee came up and talked to the other Pharisees and said, look, if these guys are fake, their movement's going to die. Don't, don't sweat that. But if not, we're fighting against God. I mean, what a great kingdom statement. He understood, that Pharisee understood, I can't remember his name, I didn't write it down. He understood, he said, listen, if I'm fighting against this guy, and this is why we have to be so careful in the church when we pass condemnation against our brothers and sisters on little tiny things of doctrine and all that. 
Because if we're right, okay, great. But if we're wrong, we're fighting against God. Do we want sound doctrine? Absolutely. That's why we have the discovery class. That's why I put up 80 million scriptures in my sermons. I'm very passionate about the Word of God. But to use it as like a, come here, Baptist boy, I got something for you. That's no good. So what does it say? So this Pharisee has this great idea. Don't go after him, because if it's God, we're in a lot of trouble. So they let him go. And here's what it says in Acts 5.40. Rejoicing. It came out rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing. Oh, man, he considered me worthy. Did you know that when you're persecuted for your faith, God says you're worthy? It's like Rick was saying. He puts up a mirror and says, the person you see in this mirror is worthy to suffer for my name. You're doing something right. That's what it's all about. And it says, and every day in the temple, from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That persecution fueled their kingdom mindset. Whether they were in, in the temple or going house to house, that persecution fueled it. And church, this is where I want to leave us. Number one, if you're not being persecuted, I, have to, I had to look at my own life this week. Why? I'm not really being persecuted right now. Now, we don't go after, you know, oh, I'll get persecuted all right. When I show up that, at that bonds with a megaphone in, in the frozen food aisle, oh, yeah, we'll see how it goes then. No, listen to the Holy Spirit, right? I need to look at myself. Am I not sharing the, the truth of the gospel? We can still share the very truth and still be merciful and still be meek. Why Why am I not? It says everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. That's the one question we need to ask ourselves. The other is, if you're being persecuted, how can we rejoice in that? We're being used by God. How can we let that fuel us for more kingdom work? How can we let that really get us going? We are in love. We are in love.